I'd like to thank our new sponsor, Launchpad Kickoff Tee, for joining us here on the Armchair Coaching Podcast family. Coaches, are you looking for that competitive edge, but you might not be paying attention to the kickoff game? Well, this is the company for you. I'd like you to go check them out. I have one sitting right here in my hand. It's incredibly unique. It's got a very large surface area and incredibly flexible wings. And so what this does for you here, it gives you extreme flexibility with how you want to kick off. Do you want to use the patented forward lean? Well, if you don't know what that is, go ahead and check out their website. You can do just about anything you want. You can dial up different types of squib kicks just with the different angles. You can literally do just about anything with this. And the nice thing is they send you this piece of paper here that goes with diagrams that show you all the different angles and techniques that they've discovered so far. And they are incredibly helpful on their website. I highly recommend you check them out. If you're interested, do me a favor. I want you to go to launchpadkickofft.com slash ACP. Make sure you add the slash ACP. And if you're interested in buying one, if you go to this specific website, you can find the link, the, the link in the description below, you actually get a discount. You're going to get a 10% discount just from using the, the Armchair Coaching Podcast link. If you want to buy one, if you want to buy two, that's a savings of 25%. And if you buy three, you're actually going to get one for free. All right. So those are some huge deals that you're going to get there. So do us a huge favor, check out our sponsor at Launchpad Kickoff Tea. Make sure that you go to this specific site, launchpadkickofftea.com slash ACP. Launchpadkickofftea.com slash ACP. On the kickoff, it's not like all the other kickoff teas that you have. It's incredibly unique. All right, welcome back to the Armchair Coaching Podcast. My name is Coach Sheffer. And we've got another great episode. Today we've got our college football playoff reaction special episode. Unfortunately, Coach Banstra could not join us today. He's doing God knows what in Texas right now. Um, but we do have Coach Heath back with us finally. Uh, hopefully we're going to get you back for a couple more um, program profile episodes here in the future. Uh, so, Coach Heath, could you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, Coach James Heath. Uh, currently a free agent football coach, uh, and right now I'm working as the voice of the Archbishop Hoban Knights for, for basketball, and uh, I'm glad to be here also. Glad to announce I am cancer-free. So that's one of the things I wanted to say. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun, and uh, you know, I'm going to look forward to uh, being able to hopefully be more involved so health is in a good is good. Some things aren't so good. We'll talk about that, of course. But um, yeah. Well, congratulations, Coach. Thanks. Glad to hear that you're uh, you're doing a lot better. Yeah. All right, and uh, Coach Steve. I'm Coach Steve. I'm the offensive line coach and run game coordinator at Addison Trail High School. It's a western suburb of Chicago. On podcast and YouTube, uh, the Coach Steve Show where we can't curse all we want because I don't care. <laughs> oh, the, the inside joke about that for the listeners is that, uh, Ms. that coach Sheffer likes to keep his job. Uh, and some of his, uh, coworkers may or may not listen to this, this show, but, uh, coach Bennett, could you introduce yourself? I'm, uh, Matthew Bennett. I'm the co-OC and OL coach at Clinton high school in Clinton, South Carolina. Um, glad to be here and glad to hear uh, Coach Heath's help was picked up and turned around. Um, although that would not that would not impact at all the things I say about Ohio State tonight. Brought to you live from a state where a football team has never lost to the Ohio State University. <laughs> That's so you're telling me that South Carolina hasn't played Ohio State. Do what? Has South Carolina ever played Ohio State? Yes. Why? Let's not talk about that either. Let's not talk about that either. That that state is not good for for the uh, Buckeyes. It's not. It's just not. Let's not talk about that. All South right. Carolina is great. Is great for us all to invade. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but uh, 
when it comes to football, that's not good. That's that's not a, a good mix. Ohio and uh, South Carolina, not good. Gets a little bit more real once you get down past Maryland. <laughs> yeah, it does. Well, I mean, maybe a little bit past Virginia too. I not really a whole lot of a uh, good Virginia teams right now, except for Liberty, which. I have my own thoughts about Liberty, but, you know, we might not. That might be another uh, episode that we'll have to talk about. Um, All right, so a couple of topics for tonight. We are going to be talking a lot about the college football playoff. We're going to talk about our thoughts about the top four teams. Uh, We'll probably sneak in some conversation about the teams that just didn't quite make it this year. Uh, We'll talk about our predictions for the semifinal games, maybe we'll even get into who we think is going to win the whole thing this year. Uh, thoughts on changing the playoffs a little bit, maybe. Maybe having some uh, ideas on a little bit of better better system for uh, choosing the national champion. And then uh, we're going to talk about bowls. Um, although one topic I kind of I, I want to just talk about it right now because I was super pissed off all day until about – 10 minutes before we uh, started recording when I saw they actually have a bowl game now. Um, The whole situation with army, I think I was pissed off for how many days, like two days because we didn't know if they were going to get a bowl game or not. And luckily we were able to get some news that they are going to be playing in the Liberty bowl versus West Virginia on December 31st. And um, it's a good thing we got that in now because we are recording on Monday and this one is probably going to be released on a Friday. So we would have looked a little bit dumb if we were still angry <laughs> a couple of days later. But um, what are your guys thoughts about the whole army situation? Like, it was wrong. It, it was, it was flat out wrong. Multiple reasons. And I'm sure, you know, we're all going to agree. You have a, Correct me if I'm wrong. Nine and two record. Mm-hmm. Nine and two. And you look at the schedule that they played. It's a good schedule. It's a it's a solid schedule. So uh, to leave out a nine and two team, and plus it is a military academy. To me, why would you not want to take army? Why would you not want to be the bull that stepped out and said, "Yeah, we're gonna." Welcome you with open arms because you had a great season. Plus, you're, ser- <laughs> you're serving our country. Um, that's a problem to me. That's a, it's a real problem. And again, it comes down to, and I'm sure you know we'll get into this more. To me, it's greed. Mm-hmm. It's greed because they really are looking at, well, what does West Point have to offer us? Well, how about what you have to offer them, which is an opportunity for those guys to be rewarded for a great season um, and – you know, I, I'm glad that it, it's against West Virginia too, which is, you know, it's it's great. It's great. It's, you know, thank God for the Liberty Bowl of all of all bowls to step up and do the right thing. So, just in case the the listeners don't know what was going on, um, Army originally they were slated to play in. The, it was the Independence Bowl, correct? I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yes. And. Um, the Independence Bowl was canceled, but the problem was all of the other bowls were already full because they all had contracts with a certain conference and they couldn't take another team. And so they had to take on teams that had not so great records for this season. And so, for example, Tennessee, how many games did they win? Two, three this year? Um really not looking like a good uh, team right now. They had a bowl game, and luckily they, they were originally slated for the Liberty Bowl, but they backed out because of COVID issues. Um, and so now Army's going to take over that bowl game. Um, and honestly, I put a tweet out saying that this whole situation is just another example that I per- – like, listen, like Coach Bennett said before we started talking, I love watching bowl games. I, I loved – um, I used to print out a sheet of paper and I would have conversation. I would have a competition with my siblings and we'd all do a pick them and see like who had the most wins at the end of the, at the end of the bowl season. And that was pretty fun. And, um, but I mean, this system that we have right now, now that you have a, a 
playoff, a I'll put it in quotes, playoff, which is more like an invitational. And if you don't make it in, those bowl games don't – honestly, how, what do they really mean? You know, you got players opting out. You know, a couple years ago, who was it? It was like Christian McCaffrey opted out of their bowl game. And those are the players that you go to, to watch, right? You know, and I, I understand there's always the conversation – that people say, you know, that you got these smaller teams, they go to bowl game and they win like uh, last year at Kent State. Not a lot of success in Kent State history. They go and then they win their first bowl game ever last week, at last year. And they were all celebrating. Yeah, they had fun. They had a great time. They got the extra practice. But what do those bowls really mean anymore? It, it, we can always have a conversation about that. But I personally think the bowl system needs to die off. <laughs> The, the system we have right now needs to die and we need to fix it with something else. That's just me. All right. I'm going to get off my soapbox here. <laughs> uh, we need to top top four. Uh, so unless you've been living under a rock, you should know this by now, but uh, the top four teams that have been selected for the college football playoff, number one, Alabama, number two, Clemson, number three, Ohio state, excuse me, the Ohio state and number four, Notre Dame. Uh, so the couple teams that were, seem to be left out a Texas A&M Cincinnati uh, weirdly Oklahoma was highly ranked again after losing to Kansas state and Iowa state earlier this year. Um, but those are their top four teams. So why don't we cover them from number one to number four, Alabama. Any thoughts on Alabama being in the college football playoff? That was a lock. That was a lock from the beginning. They did everything everything right. If there was a program that uh, – and there's only really two that come to mind, um, Alabama being one of them that did everything right. I mean, they were able to push through. What, Saban had COVID twice? Uh, they didn't miss a beat. They, yes. Absolutely. I mean, would you expect anything else from St. Nick? Probably not. Uh, he's, you know, that's a machine there. Uh, and you'd fully expected it after what happened last year, uh, them to bounce back and, you know, to do things that, that they did this year, even with some, uh, some critical, you know, injuries to a couple of dudes. Uh, I mean, it was a lock. They did everything right. Uh, all they had to do was take care of business against Florida that was not, a, you know, that's not a problem. Um, to say the truth, I, even if they would have lost that game, they still make it because it, you know. So that's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve, all you know, Alabama did by beating Florida was save us from having to hear about Florida getting in. Yeah. Amen. If you beat Alabama, if you beat Alabama, you're probably in. I mean, the SEC, if if that player from Florida had not thrown that shoe. And everyone here on here knows what I'm talking about. That mm. darn shoe. The shoe. Would they have been had a little bit more momentum and maybe been able to possibly beat Alabama or I actually think because they threw the shoe and lost lost as twenty four point favorites at home, I think they were a little extra motivated and played over their heads against Alabama. I think if he doesn't throw the shoe, Alabama kicks the piss out of them. I tried mm, – I cleaned that up good. I had a lot going there. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Steve, what are your thoughts on Alabama? Because I know oh, you, I know Coach you Saban. like Alabama. Oh, Coach Saban. <laughs> I love Coach Saban. I hate, I hate running the football, and, I, and I, I hate defense, but I love Coach Saban. <laughs> That's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> no, I mean, what's interesting is – when when you heard Alabama, you thought defense. Now when you hear Alabama, I think offense. They're putting up 50 points a game. Sarkeesian's dialing it up, and they're getting creative. And, you know, if they'll run the ball first quarter, then the next quarter, like, we're going to pass it a little bit now. We don't want to run it no more, and then they'll go back to it. So the only team that can keep up with them, I think, will be Clemson. I mean, we'll get to that. I think that's the only team that's going to keep up. And it's going to be – that game will be who flinches first. And so far, Alabama hasn't flinched. They were pissed off last year because they had to play Michigan and no one gives a rat's ass bowl game last year. And they're, they're mad. They're, they're trying to prove something. So it's, it's no shocker they're number one. 
Well, I, I think I mentioned it in the LSU episode. The only thing that LSU did for college football this year was piss off Alabama and Clemson. That's all they did. Um, I mean, you know, Trevor Lawrence is playing lights out. Alabama's playing. The whole team is playing lights out. Well, uh, defense maybe not so much. Um, how many points did Alabama defense give up to Ole Miss? A lot. It was a lot. And but what you're seeing is – Alabama's strength and conditioning is more about speed and they're not all about, you know, filling the sleeves out. They're more about generating power and getting faster and all that stuff you're seeing now. And that's why you're seeing they give up all those points to Ole Miss. But as the season goes along with this new conditioning that they're doing and Indiana's doing it, they're getting more powerful as the year goes on. So you're seeing that offensive line blow people off the ball. Now they're good, but all that's generating all that power to push them off the ball. You're seeing their wide receivers – run faster you're seeing them blow by people and it's going as the season goes along mm-hmm. and you're seeing indiana do they're incorporating the same thing and as the and that's happening with them so you're going to see strength and conditioning programs i think churn ohio state does it too like they've done it for a couple you're going to start to see them start to do that type of stuff like i hope illinois turns to that because we're just we're they're just trying to be big well it's not about that anymore it's about lifting to generate power quickly and and speed and so that's why Alabama is just continuing to go on and on because of the strength and conditioning coaches that they brought in. You heard it here first. Heard it here first, coaches and fans. Coach Steve's broke the news. Alabama runs sprints and works hip flexors, unlike any other college program on the face of the planet. Revolutionary. But I mean, they're not – but they're not about – but look at, like, a Build lot of the old statue. school stuff. What they're doing is different. Like, it's just different. They're not worried about, oh, you squatted 600 pounds. They don't care. They're more about – they sprint. They go all dead sprints out on Wednesday and don't do nothing with Thursdays and Fridays. They don't do nothing. They recover. They sit down. They don't do nothing. It's not the old school thinking like when we played where we ran gassers. Is that what like he was – do that anymore. Is that what Nick was uh, alluding to a couple of uh, weeks ago when he talked about they don't have as many soft tissue injuries? and th- I know it was a dig at the former strength and conditioning, but I know that they went – wholesale like in a different direction i'm gonna guess that's really what he was alluding to in in all that because some of the strength and conditioning coaches from indiana came to alabama and some stayed in indiana so they're incorporating the same thing and then ohio state talked about how that's kind of what they've been doing and then they've all met and because coach uh tony holler he's a track coach up here in illinois he he's done that stuff in track um there's a uh, coach dixon who's on twitter he's been doing that in illinois um, my buddy who coaches down in central Illinois, he's incorporated, talked about how his kids went from running like 18 miles per hour. Now they're up to 20, 21 miles per hour and they're girls. Like he's able to do that. And he's like, you would come to a practice and think we were wusses. Cause after we sprint, we sit down for five or 10 minutes, literally just sit there. And it's about recovery. It's about this. It's about, we don't worry about filling the sleeves out and doing curls for the girls. We're more about generating power than anything else and worried about, we don't care if you squat 600 pounds, if you squat 400 pounds, if you could do it a lot of times, generate some power, some movement, that's what they're doing. And it's, it's keeping them fresh. And as the year goes on, they get more powerful. Basically what Steve is saying is every other program walking around wearing the half shirts, pick heavy weight up, put heavy weight down. Alabama's running sprints, doing stretches. I sort of sounded smart there, didn't I? I was trying really hard. You could see I was focusing on that. I was like, let me not sound like an idiot today. Uh, Coach Bennett had to dumb it down for some some other people. Mine was dumbing it down. I don't know how much dumber <laughs> I could get with it. Sheffer, Sheffer tried really hard to not say dumb it down for some of our Southern listeners. <laughs> I know, I know what he did. I know what he's trying to do. I had to deflect myself. I almost said it. I had to deflect myself. But you know what? They had football and we haven't. So something's smarter down there than what's going on up here. And, you know, know, technically Virginia's part of the South, but we haven't had football either. What's wrong with you? You're not South? You're not Central? What's going on with you? Y'all been exiled. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're our own place now. Um. Yeah, I had heard I've I've read some stuff on that style of strength and conditioning before and it's been intriguing. It's it's definitely different because it's it's not what I'm used to. Um but I can see 
the evidence that it seems to be working less tissue injuries. And I definitely understand the getting the rest. Um, it's just different. I think it'll take some time for that to catch on. But now that it's out, out now that it's at Alabama, it'll probably catch a little bit faster um, because whatever they do at Alabama, you know, people are going to want to do it. Well, people made fun of Christian McCaffrey whenever he talked about actually doing that. Um, and, you know, and they had a big season. And then, of course, you know, then there's this year. So, I, you know, I think the jury's still out. I think there's still going to be people that are going to question it simply because we're so – yeah, you're, you're right. We're so used to uh, the culture of football is I'm going to pick weight up and put it down. And, you know, so it's not going to catch on – even I think with Bama. Um, I don't know if that really, like, pushes it. Of course, there are people who, you know, who will go in and just go ahead and go into it just because that's what they do. But um, I think it's hard to change culture and get people to take a track mindset with football. So. And, like, Indiana, they were explosive with Ohio State. And so, like, you're going to see it with them. And I think if it – and then it's Ohio State, Indiana, Alabama – Clemson looks like they're starting to use it because they look like as the season goes on, they're getting powerful. So it's like it may turn into people using this track mindset, like we're still going to lift weights, but it's not about this one rep max anymore. It's not about like when we killed our backs doing squats and deadlifts and stuff. It's not about that anymore. It's it's about catering to the position of what they play and consider and like because like it, does it make any sense to the linemen – do certain things that a wide receiver should be doing. No, you need to tater it to that. So Nick Saban has adapted his offense and defense. He knows he can't stop people no more. He just has to slow them down. He knows that. He knows that they have to play longer in the season all the time. And so you saw that from Old Miss. You watch that Old Miss game, they didn't look like they had power because they were giving up all these points. Now it looks a little different. Even though they're giving up some points, they're still playing very fast. And they don't look tired. Mm-hmm. So it works. Yeah, he, it's showing that it works. Yeah, and uh, it was strange to hear Nick Saban actually admit that the game has changed to where it's an offensive game. You know, and speaking to what you're saying, Steve, and he, you know, he went and said, the game has changed. We're no longer being able to just focus on shutting them down defensively. You have to have a great offense and score points to win because that's the way that the – you know, that's where the game is heading. You're, you know, so many athletes out there, and in some ways I guess it doesn't surprise me. He's getting great athletes there. Um, Indiana, I know that's been – you mentioned them. That's part of their movement is, you know, in recruiting. More athletes, more speed. Speed is more important than size and strength in a lot of ways for, for them. And Bama's kind of always been ahead. I mean, they get the dudes anyway. So that's even scarier. You know, um, but you know, to kind of get back to the point, I mean, Bama went, you know, next man up with some uh, situation. It'll be interesting to see what happens with, you know, losing a, a major part of their success and, in, in, you know, with alignment. I know they went and took care of business against Florida, but, you know, that'll be interesting to see. But no matter what, they deserve to be the number one team. They proved it all season long with how they battled against opponents and then the other opponent. Uh, you know, COVID, keeping keeping things moving. So it's no surprise to me that they were the number one. They deserved it. Yeah. Um, so do you guys think that uh, this year's Alabama quarterback, he looks pretty good. Is he better than the past couple quarterbacks they've had? Because I feel like they've been a little bit better this year on offense, a little bit more balanced this year than they have in the past. That's just my perspective. What do you guys think you're seeing? I think them having a dominant quarterbacks severely overrated. How many games did Greg McElroy lose? Not a lot. Yeah. All you got to be at Alabama, and they, and they got they got tremendous receivers. I think if you're going to make a point for – I mean, skill players in general. I think I think you can make a, a strong point that now that the Waddle kids hurt, Mac Jones is probably the third best player, skill player on offense. But with the Waddle kid was still in, he'd be the fourth. He does a great job, but 
Alabama's got one less national championship than they should have because they lost Ohio State because they wouldn't turn around and hand the ball off. And I still hate Lane Kiffin for that. Um, but handing it to Najee Harris, who seems like he's been at Alabama for 15 years, mm-hmm. and getting the ball to the – is it Walker? Is that the the stud receiver? Is that his last name? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Anyway, not Waddle, but the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got so many. Um, I think Matt if, Jones. If Banster was on, he'd be on the computer looking it up right now for you. Yeah, I mean he's he's a he's the secretary. <laughs> but they uh they're they're phenomenal, man. They're a phenomenal football team. But them having a a stud five star quarterback is overrated. Mm-hmm. If there's a program in the country that don't need one, it's them. And they were more dominant when they didn't have one. Nice people catching up, but they don't they don't need one. This is probably the best overall offensive group Nick Saban's had at one time, I think. Wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. He's always had a piece here and there and they've still won. Now he has it all together. These wide receivers, running backs and four or five NFL offensive linemen and Trent Richardson and Mark Ingram in the same backfield. This is the best group to run mesh with. Well, that's what I mean. Like, this is the first time where he's now got, like, this group of wide receivers that's been the best at one time. He's got the offensive line and running. Like, it's all together now. He's had, like, either really good linemen and running backs or really good wide receivers. And this, I think this is the first time they've had this group that's all there at one time. And you got a wing T quarterback chucking the ball around, I'm just saying. But Sarkeesian dials up some things. They keep tight ends into block for him to give him more time. Like, they're dialing things up. And the thing is, they'll keep their tight ends to block, and the wide receivers get open still. Mm-hmm. They only have two guys going on, and they get open. And Sark's, when you have a Sark's lineman, that's very good. Sark's yeah. very, very good. Did he you see the tight end? The tight end take the snap? He doesn't not think himself either. If this, if it's third one and they need it, they hand it to Harris. That's where he – He's he seems to me like a better play caller than than Lane was the Lane train when he was there. Even though Lane Kiffin may be a little bit more creative, Lane Kiffin might be a little bit more ahead of his time because man, he does some great stuff. But he yeah, think himself whereas Sark when it's like I say it's third in the foot, he's not going to throw the double reverse pass. He's going to hand the ball to Harris and say, "Here you." five future 10-year pros get a push and we'll get the foot and we'll go. Mm-hmm. All right, well. A, um, um, he has to pull a Ryan Day and force some things that he shouldn't do. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to Ryan Day here in a little bit. But, uh, yeah. Already starting. Before <laughs> Already starting. So let's flag. move on to number two, uh, Clemson. And um, – I know we've got thoughts on Clemson, but except for that one loss, you know, their, their only loss was to Notre Dame, but that was when they were down on defense and they were missing their star quarterback and a couple other players too, if I, if I remember correctly that game. Um, and Notre Dame played well. I mean, they did. I thought both teams played well, but, and it came close. But number two, Clemson – came back last last weekend and showed them what Trevor Lawrence can do and showed them what a full-on defense can do, like Coach Bennett said, what all 11 starters on defense can do with a pissed-off Brent Venables. And um, they just took it to Notre Dame. Notre Dame didn't stand a chance in that game at he all. Kinda, like, Ian, uh, Ian Book couldn't get – on a three-step drop, couldn't get his third step in the ground. He was running – the score doesn't look as bad as what it looked like watching it on on the field. It no, looked, yeah, the actual the actuality of watching it play by play. God, look, God, look. I mean, it was. And as the resident Clemson guy, you know, I, and I, I stress this, I've been, I, I am biased. I've been a Clemson fan my whole life. I've got baby pictures in Clemson stuff. I've been there through the worst of the worst, losing to the team in Columbia five years in a row when a seven-win season was a good year. I mean, I've, I've been there. Um, 
And now it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what Clemson does. When they could win seven championships in a row, which is not likely to happen because there's so many other great programs, but they could do that. And we're still not, I mean, we don't get viewed in the same light as the other three teams in the playoff. And I think that is something that Coach Sweeney does a phenomenal job of using um, to his advantage because those kids play hard. And and you could tell that losing to Notre Dame and some things that got said by Notre Dame players and and you could tell they'd eat at them and they played like their hair was on fire. Um, I look forward to seeing them play against um, Ohio State, and I, I, I think it'll be interesting. It's always it's always good because Ryan Day is such a good. I mean, I, I I love I love to study go back and study Ryan Day stuff in the off season because he he does a great job of formation in people and, and getting getting you where he, where he wants you and uh, and then you got the Mad Hatter on defense for Clemson that it's a it's a chess match. I think Clemson's got a few better pieces, but um, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to watch. And offensively, I mean, mm-hmm. if Trevor Lawrence don't win the Heisman, he stop giving it away. Yeah, I, Heisman yeah. Trophy. They don't like uh, they don't like Stanford running backs, and they don't like Clemson quarterbacks. They should give it to Trevor Lawrence and say, "We're doing this because of what we did to Deshaun Watson," which is the biggest tragedy. Biggest heist in Heisman history, but that's we could do. We could do a whole podcast on how I think Clemson's been underhanded and screwed by the media and the voters. I mean, look at all look at all the defensive players that Clemson's had. How many national? How many linebackers of the year they had? How many defensive linemen of the year they had? You know all that stuff. The one that like pops in my head, I think McKenzie Alexander might have won the Thorpe Award one year. Maybe. I don't know. I mean Clemson doesn't win national awards. Even when you even when you play a team like Alabama and you catch them like we called them last time. Don't matter. You know. Yeah. Coach it is what it is. They'll, they'll probably find a way to give the hiding trap to somebody from Ohio State. Because I got so many of them. <laughs> Played four games, three of them, three of them little league jamborees, and they'll find a way to slip them in there. Or give it to another. Alabama had never won a Heisman Trophy until Mark Ingram won one, and now them jokers get it. I mean, they got a standing appointment. Mm-hmm. Is that Ryan Day? Yep. This he's peeking over my shoulder. There's his boss. There's his. There's his papa. Back here eating some Papa John's. <laughs> Still got Coach Steve over here with the uh, the Oklahoma flag, but uh, Coach Steve, what are your thoughts on um, Clemson there? Oh, before Coach Steve gets oh, going, I also want to give a special shout out to Ben, ba- uh, not Ben Batson, his dad Joey, Joey Batson, and the Clemson strength staff for all the speed work. Apparently, they're not doing according to Steve. I said they Clemson's were doing not fast. it fast. All they do is grunt and spit and. Ooh, I picked up heavy weight because only Alabama does speed stuff. I said Clemson was doing it. Look how fast they are. I knew I should have said nothing. I just learned a lot. I was very excited to share it out of what's going on. What was the question again? No, now you got me. What was the question again? Your your initial thoughts on Clemson being number two. Uh, they deserve to be number two. It was going to be Alabama and Clemson. There was no doubt. Even when they lost Notre Dame, it still was like they're still probably the second-best team in the country. Even though I'm going to play the other side of the coin here, I know Notre Dame won, but that quarterback for Clemson put up just as big numbers as as uh, Lawrence did. I just think Notre Dame actually tried. Like, I, I didn't say they didn't try. They just came out with some confidence. Like They're like, this is it. we got to win. And then I think they just didn't adjust the last time. And we talked about before we recorded, Like you saw how they played Ian Book this time. 
They had their defensive linemen read what was going on, not rush up the field. They weren't going to get – they want to make him in the pocket. If he gets out of the pocket, he's going to destroy you. If he stays in the pocket, he's flustered. And if you can stop the run and you're able to do that, which Clemson can do, and they adjusted, it was perfect. Notre Dame didn't adjust. But I still give Notre Dame credit for that win against Clemson. I mean, it's still Clemson. They still, like – I think it was play calling in that overtime. Like, they tried to do too much with him at the very end for Clemson. But – I mean, I'm not shocked they're number two. It's going to be them and Alabama again. And I just talked to a friend. They're like, is this bad for college football? And I said, no, someone's got to beat them. Like, you say it's bad, but somebody better beat them. Like, Notre Dame should have beat them. And then we went and had this conversation. But, you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man, and nobody does. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you tune in to watch. So you talk about college football, everybody tunes in to watch. Damn so, right. <laughs> yeah. Coach Heath? I said earlier, uh, I felt like two programs did everything right. Uh, I should have said three. However, I'll I'll tell you why. Uh, Ohio State was one that I wouldn't necessarily say. Uh, And and I think there's an asterisk onto that. Uh, I think that Clemson did the right thing this year, though. And I think they're better for playing without Trevor for a while. Uh, You know, that team took care of their business after they, after they got beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and is Notre Dame a good team? I'll save that. Um, you know, the bottom line is the best quarterback in the entire nation is who Clemson has. They have a huge advantage of that way. They did everything right in my eyes. Um, you know, we can talk about conferences and whatever. I, I, I don't really want to get into that. They're the second best team on paper. Now, that, and I notice I'm saying on paper. Um, but that team could have been one in all reality. Uh, I think they're two simply because of what Coach Bennett said. There is this disrespect that goes towards Clemson. Uh, which I don't know why we haven't gotten past that yet. I really don't um, because they're a major player at the table. If they're not at the head of the table, then I, I don't know who is. Um, and that's, that's not hard for me to say because that's fact. That's fact. They absolutely deserve to be in the, one of those top two spots. They did everything right for the entire season. Uh, they get tripped up by Notre Dame. So what? Um, they're still – you know, right now on paper, they're, they're one or two in my mind. So, yes, they deserve to be there. Yeah. Um, I think they're a team right now. Them and Alabama, I mean, Ohio State's a great team. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, Coach Heath right now, <laughs> in some of the past episodes, I've talked about, a rating system, like give it, give a team a grade. Right. And I said, a plus is like the elite program of college football. And I said, and there are two who are the standard right now. Mm-hmm. And those two are Alabama and Clemson right now. They are the standard and everyone else is chasing them. Ohio state is right there though. They're very close. The yeah. last couple of years, they just haven't been able to break that, mo- that, that layer yet. Um, the thing the, the thing that I see when I watch an Alabama or a Clemson play is, um, and this is coming from a Texas fan, the th- one of the things that I hate watching about Texas is they play to the same level as their competition. When they play a Georgia, they come out and play a, like they're all five stars, right? But when they come out and they play Kansas, they all look like they're one-star team. Like what the heck is going on? They don't play to a standard. Alabama, if, if it's an Alabama team, it doesn't give a shit if they're playing anybody else. It doesn't matter who they're playing. It could be Western Carolina, and they're going to come out and play Alabama standard football. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Clemson, it doesn't matter who they play. They could be playing the Citadel. They're coming out. And, uh, no offense to the Citadel. I, I enjoyed watching the Citadel. But they're coming out. They're playing Clemson standard football 
I mean, you know, and thank you, Clemson. And this is coming from all the triple option fans out there. Thank you for the Georgia Tech game this year <laughs> for playing to a freaking standard and scoring seven. How many points they score? Seventy something. Seventy six. Many as I wanted. I mean, they could have gone eighty. <laughs> I so wanted Lawrence's the- arm got tired. That's how many they score. <laughs> yeah. And they scored most I of those. I don't know. I don't know if it's because Coach Sweeney liked Paul Johnson or what it is. But he he don't like he don't like the Capri Pants guy down there in Atlanta. He don't like him at all. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened, but thank you, Clemson, for that from all us triple option fans. Um any any other thoughts on Clemson? I mean, their defense is awesome. They're great to watch. As a as a former defensive coach myself. You know, I, I can appreciate them. Um, he's going to – Venables will get a head job one day. Um, but I don't know if he wants one, one, though. Huh? I don't know if he wants one, though, because there was a he report that he's happy – he, he came out and said he's really happy on what he's doing. So, I don't know if he's he also, His kids are there playing, and he won't leave till at least they're gone. He's not going to leave while they're still playing and make them transfer and all that stuff. And he's definitely not – if he goes somewhere, he's going somewhere to be on that level with Clemson immediately, and he don't want to coach against them. Texas will so. take him. <laughs> yeah. No, they will not. Uh, well, the pro- there's lots of problems with Texas. We're not going to get into that this episode. It all turns into a Texas podcast. You know, or a BYU. Or a they should have waited. <laughs> they should have waited. They could have got Gus. <laughs> huh. We should be talking about Coastal Knife. They deserve to be in the playoff more than the next team. Well, I think we will talk about them when we get to our how do we fix the playoff system. Uh, let's finish up here. Uh, well, not finishing up. We're still on number three. I will let Coach Heath lead us on this one as our resident Ohio State fan. Um, you said you had some comments about Ohio State that you wanted us to hear. Um, yeah. So thoughts on Ohio State at number three? This is a tough one. It really is. Um, because you got to talk about which which Ohio State did the did the committee look at? That's what I want to know. Which Ohio State did they look at? Did they look at the one that uh, was pushed by Indiana at pretty much full strength? Uh, and we can debate about you know Indiana was the toughest opponent the Buckeyes saw all year. Everyone else, no pretenders. The powerhouse teams, no. Um, Coach Ben and I have had this conversation about, um, you know, how I have to talk about certain matchups because Ohio State has to be propped up. The conference was awful this year. Awful. Um, people don't talk about Iowa, but Iowa was one of the better teams in the in the conference in the Big Ten conference this year. Uh, Northwestern was just that much better. And that's why you saw, you know, Patty Fitz with, with his boys out there in Indy against a Buckeye team that was down, I think, 22 players. And here's where it gets complicated because if you're looking at the squad that had those matchups and was dominant, great. But that's not the team that may walk out there against Clemson. And that's a problem for me because if we're going to talk about for the sake of college football, it's a big problem if you're going to say that Chris Olave, Baron Browning, uh, and, and yes, I know he's a punter, but Drew Christman is important to what they do in special teams. Talking about three major players, and then you got some other players who can miss. Um, the committee got talked into this, or some, or something's real fishy here. To me, they got talked into this, putting Ohio State at three. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with ratings. But if you're going to ask me about Ohio State, do they deserve to be the three? No. Not if, not if they're going to march out with a team like what they played Northwestern with. That game was awful. It was garbage. Coach Ben and I were texting back and forth. And, you know, he's trying to get under my skin, and I'm just like, man, I, I got nothing to say. What am I supposed to say other than, than facts? There's two different Ohio State teams. There's the dominant, and then there's the one that's been torn apart by COVID protocol. And I don't care. Here's the thing. Ryan Day has even come out and said 
there are a certain number of those 22, you know, and of course he's not naming names, that are going to be able to play. Some are on the fence and might not, especially because they were pushing for 14 instead of uh, the 17 that they got. So some of those guys are going to miss, and we probably won't know that until we get much, much closer. Mm-hmm. But Ohio State didn't, shouldn't have been a number three. To tell you the truth, I don't even know if they should have been even – if they're even good enough for number four. It all depends on who is on that roster for that game. And it's going to get ugly. It's going to – take, and, you know, we can talk about what it's going to take um, later, and I'll save that. But it hurts to say it, but the truth of the matter is there's a whole lot of things against them. A whole lot of things against them. What, and what will we go, uh, Coach Bennett? 0 and 6? Actually, we 0 and 5, I think. 0 and 5? Well, here's the thing. Then we go 0 for the state of South Carolina because we talked about, uh, you know, I think maybe it was off. We're 0 for the state of South Carolina. So it is what it is. But the bottom line is there's two different Buckeye teams. And the one that we're going to see against Clemson, it ain't good. It ain't as good as what they were sold at what they sold to the committee. So whoever is in there is a master salesman. He needs to quit college football and get into sales. I I know, I know coach. I see you. I see. And that's where, that's how we're, that's how many people are going to feel because they got the, the stupid Buckeye colored glasses, uh, the scarlet glasses on. We got to get real here in in this state. This is going to be ugly and people are going to get mad for all the wrong reasons. They don't, they shouldn't have been three or four. They probably should have been on the outside and someone else going in. And it hurts to say that, but sometimes you got to take the truth and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Coach Ooh. Bennett, you have a rebuttal? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Nobody's going to be buying Coach Heath a drink in Ohio for a while. Not until, not until it's over. I think Ohio State got propped up for one reason and one reason only. The Big Ten is a money conference, and it makes a lot more sense. You're only going to let four in, and you've already got two. Clemson didn't beat Notre Dame bad enough to knock them out. So you got two from the ACC, which – is not what the committee wants. They want two from the SEC and one from the Big Ten and Clemson. But if they're already going to have to grit their teeth and let Clemson and Notre Dame in, there is no way they were going to let Texas A&M in without playing in a conference championship game. I think even if Florida would have beat Alabama, there was no way they were going to let a two-loss Florida team in even as the SEC champ. That precedent's already been set from where um, was it Auburn won the SEC championship a few years ago and Alabama got in the playoff. And they, yeah, Auburn beat Georgia. Um, shocker. But they they need to beat – they think they need the big team. So they prop Indiana up. And God bless Tom Allen. I think Tom Allen's a phenomenal football coach. Um not take anything away from him and the job he's done. But for them to be ranked as high as they are, and all they – I mean, they've had they, – they, they beat Penn State, who started out 0-4. They beat Penn State on the last play of the game by an inch, by inches, literal inches, is what they took to beat Penn State, which is a huge win for their program. Again, not taking anything away. But you got to look at who they beat. They, they skate through the Big Ten, which is, is – you know, I, the Big Ten's down this year, and it's not it's not going to stay down. It's too good of a conference. Um, but all Indiana's done is squeak out some victories and played Ohio State close in the fourth quarter. Ohio State stretched that thing out on them. I would have less of a problem with Ohio State being in if they were to just put their foot on Indiana's throat and beat the piss out of them like they were. But then they let them eat back in the game, you know. And then the the worst thing, I would – if the Big Ten would have said, 
But Ohio State doesn't have enough games to get in conference championship. And the committee puts them in at 5-0. Well, then it's not it, – it, they have made Ohio State more hateable by bending the rules for them, getting them into a game they shouldn't have been into by their own rules they said. And now they beat Northwestern. You robbed Indiana of having a chance because they got the games in to play in a very huge program-changing game for them in Northwestern to let the big bad bully get back in the game, struggle for three quarters, and then eventually the town takes over and they win. The one thing I will say that I, I, I love Ohio State for, don't clip that or anything, don't play that on loop or anything, is – and this is the one thing that's the saving grace for me with them getting in. When the chips were down and the Big Ten said, we're not playing football, Ohio State dug their heels in with Nebraska and said, by God, yes, we are. <laughs> so for that, let the Buckeyes come on in the playoffs, smack them around a little bit and send them back home. But they, by God, bring them on. Bring them on in the party. I can't tell you how funny it was to watch the uh... – it's a good thing that, you know, I don't know how many fans were there, parents, whatever. Uh, Warren came out to give him the trophy, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, how funny is this? The guy who pretty much put the Big Ten in a bad spot now has to hand over the trophy to the team that was the thorn in his side and led the, you know, led the, the protest. They went to Chicago and protested. Mm-hmm. The thing is uh, – you know, no one was in the building, you know, because they were at some kind of retreat or something like that. It's a funny story, but uh, it's true. But, you know, but at the same time, I, I mean, here, here's the thing. Normally I wouldn't agree with Coach Bennett, but I, I have to because he's right on so many levels. It should have been Indiana in the championship game against Northwestern. They wouldn't change the rules because the conference needed to have that team in to get the money because of what, what has happened this year. That's what it was. It's money driven. Let's, you know, Indiana. You're right. That would have been a a program changing opportunity for them. You know, I'm a Hoosier. I'm Hoosier born, uh, and Buckeye, I guess by choice. And it's one of those things where, you know, I, it bothers me because you hurt your conference at the end of the day. You really do hurt your conference whenever you sit there and try to. Do that. It undermines everything that you're trying to work for, which is bettering the entire conference. Um, and Ohio State was exposed big time by, by what Indiana – and it has happened every year, and I've said it for the past three years, to family and friends, all that would listen in Indiana. Indiana's charging. They're going to be a, a team that's you know going to be around. They're not going anywhere. They're doing all the things right. And you got to see it this year. Ohio State's lucky they got out of the territory that should have lost that game on, on many levels. There's opportunities for Indiana. Indiana couldn't seal the deal. We shouldn't even be talking about Ohio State at this point. Why are we? Because they were able to get lucky in that situation, and then they had, yes. And the money was important to the conference, and that's why they are where they are. And, yes, I'm sure I'm going to hear all kinds of hate from people in Ohio State, but you got to get real people. I mean, you got to get real. This this is a state. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but this is the state of this playoff. This this invitational, and Ohio State decided to be a pawn here. Was used as a pawn. That's all this is. Unfortunately, it's hard to another, say. But it's true. Another thing that Ohio State's got going for them that a lot of programs don't, and there's nothing wrong with this. This is just a, a matter of happenstance, and you know. Good, good luck, good things happen, is they've got a national mouthpiece on Saturday, every Saturday, talking about how great Ohio State is. And he's on Fox, and, you know, they got the Big Ten games and the Big 12 games are on there. And, I mean, and Urban, Urban Meyer's a great mouthpiece for the university, which is probably why they're still cutting him a check. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Clemson, Clemson's never going to have that. Because Danny Ford's too old to get on TV. Um, nor should he probably be on a hot mic. There's no telling what he'd say. <laughs> and then, um, you know, uh, I mean, Danny Ford 
trivia question. Danny Ford's first game as a head football coach. Anybody know? 78 Gator Bowl against the Ohio State University. Danny Ford started his career out 1-0 against Woody Hayes. Woody Hayes. Yeah, that's – punch, punch Charlie Bauman. Dirty, dirty, dirty program. Starts at the top. <laughs> Steve, you have any comments on Ohio State? I don't think they're a top six team. Watching them play, I think Justin Fields is overrated. I think he's very inconsistent. I don't like their secondary on defense. I think that's why Indiana was able to have success. Now, Ohio State's linemen and linebackers are very, very good. So, if you can't run the ball on them, which probably not, you have to be able to pass the ball. Now, Northwestern could run the ball, and when they couldn't, they couldn't pass it. So, they didn't have any threats. So, uh, but I think this all comes down to as a bigger picture was there was no leadership in the NCAA saying, okay, right from the get-go, here's your game threshold. You have to get this many games in. So, like, you know, I love to blame Ohio State, but it comes down to there was no – the president for NCAA was like, nope, do your own thing. Then the Big Ten want to play hide-and-seek and try to say we're not going to play. Who's going to follow us? The Pac-12 is. And everybody else goes, no, we're going to play. And then the Big Ten was like, oh, wait a minute. It can work. We want money. Let's play. And then I think that's – and, again, it comes from the NCAA president. Then it comes from the Big Ten. You, did they think there was going to be no cancellations? Like, did they honest to God thought – we're going to give them eight weeks. If they would have put in right from the get-go, like if a game gets canceled, you have the right to go schedule. There's no threshold of a game to get into the Big Ten Championship. It would have been different. We would have been fine with it, I think. How about just start in September? Or, yeah. Like, like everyone else? Be yeah, like everyone yeah. else? Amazing. Right? That's bad. It's bad leadership. And that's why I say, I mean, I, I salute I salute the, the Buckeyes for – digging their heels in with Iowa and Nebraska because God knows Iowa and Nebraska didn't they needed they needed Ohio State to do that. And Ryan Day felt like and he should, Ryan Day felt like we got a good chance to anybody we need to play. And as far as schematics and players go, I've watched Ohio State a few times this year and Justin Fields, he is like he's a three point shooter man. Man, when he is hot, he's as good as there is. When he's bad, it's his bad won't beat Clemson. He'll have to have the game of his. He'll have to have the game of his life. Well, without they, certain certain pieces, he's not. He's quarterback play with the way. I mean, if, yeah, if you watch how the Buckeyes play, I mean, if he doesn't have Olave, that's a problem because Olave is that guy who can take the top off and everything is is go 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 until it's not. And you need that guy to keep it. You know. That's his security blanket. Yep. And he has struggled whenever someone has done a great job on Olave. Now, there are there good receivers there? Yes. But, uh, you know, there's definitely that chemistry. When things get tough, you know who he wants to go to. And he's made some plays, uh, you know, in the past two games, falling down, doing, doing things uh, – I mean, that's a quarterback that's pressing. Against Clemson, that, he's not the best quarterback, definitely not the best quarterback in the field. And you know as well as I do, you guys, quarterback play is absolutely huge whenever you have your, your big games. Absolutely. And the dude on the other side, he's not going to flinch. But I've seen Justin Fields flinch a little bit, mm-hmm. more than a little bit. So that's – I mean, there's just so many layers to this. Of you know, again, there's two Ohio, there's two different Ohio State teams that, that we're talking about. Which one do we get? When do we find out which one's going to go out against Clemson? Or does it even matter? I, I say no, because you know we'll talk later whenever we talk probably about the matchup, and I'll tell you, the, there's only two ways that Ohio State makes it close. I'm so, anxious to see how they play Clemson defensively because last year. I think last year the Ohio State game might be – you make a strong case. That's the best game Trevor Lawrence has ever played, not because he threw for 1,000 yards or anything like that, but because Ohio State hit him and hit him hard and hit him a lot. He got beat on as much in that game as he ever had. And um, and he kept on – he kept he took a lick and kept on ticking. Um, 
I thought about that when you said that he doesn't flinch or he won't flinch. And by God, if he was ever going to flinch, yeah, it would have been last, last year at Ohio State. They oh, beat him to death. Yeah, Chase Young coming after him, and he he didn't back down. He definitely didn't back down. And there's there's no Chase, there's no Chase Young. I mean, I have a, a former player who is a defensive lineman at Ohio State, and I've seen those dudes, but they are not dominant. They're good, but they're not dominant dudes up there. But you know the what team. they are, and another thing I'll give to Ohio State, them SOBs up front on defensive line are well coached. Mm-hmm. They're well coached. That guy, that's another fun little game in between game inside the games you got. Robbie Caldwell, offensive line versus what's his name? Escaping. Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson. Yeah, Larry Johnson. Penn, same name as the Penn State running back. The Larry Johnson, Robbie Caldwell battling the trenches. Those are two well coached units, and they make they're not the they're not the groups that get all the love because when people think of Ohio State, other than the Boses, you think about man DBs. They got all kinds of DBs in the league. Their defensive line is always solid, really well coached. Clemson, Clemson's offensive line gets less love than any offensive line I've ever seen, and and they're well coached and they play hard. It's it, it's going to be that's the fun that's the X's and O's coach coach speak that's the game within the game to watch is that yeah. offensive line versus that defensive line. Yeah, I mean whenever we talk about like the actual match, I mean of course you know, we're talking about teams now, but talk about that matchup. I mean again, I think there's only two ways that Ohio State keeps it close. You know, I'll wait and, and talk about that. But sorry, yeah. Steve, we kind of made you have to wait. <laughs> Let's talk about Notre Dame. Yeah, and uh, I'll let Ashley. Coach Steve talk first on Notre Dame since uh, <laughs> he's kind of quiet a little bit every once in a while. But um, number four out of our top four, the last one to get in. And uh, before I let Coach Steve in, I think, uh, honestly, Notre Dame is the – is the 2020 version of the sacrificial lamb to Alabama in the playoffs. The Washington, the Michigan State, that's who Notre Dame is this year. Um, and we'll talk about the, the matchup later, but Coach Steve, your thoughts on Notre Dame. I feel bad for them. They're going to get curb stomped by Bama. I don't think they're as bad as everyone thinks they are, but it just it, – it's – you couldn't have had them at number three because you could not have Clemson play Notre Dame for the third time. That wasn't going to happen. So they were going to be four or five. Unless they be, if they would have beat Clemson, and then Clemson would have been out. And we would have had a big uproar because I still think they would have been two or three best team in the nation. I don't think they're as bad as everybody thinks they are. I just don't know if they adjust well. They just kept winning, and then they got to Clemson again, and they said, let's just do what we did last time. But – you have everybody playing for Clemson, so they just didn't adjust well. But I think Notre Dame had some of the best balanced offense with running the football and passing it with their tight ends and, and all that. I don't think they're as bad as everyone thinks they are. If you actually sit down and watch them, they're not that bad. Mm-hmm. They had a big offensive line. They got big, tall tight ends. If Ian Book can get outside the pocket, kind of like a Mitchell Trubisky when the Bears don't do it, when he can roll out and pass it, he's pretty good. Uh it's hard. Part of me is like, yeah, they should be number four. Then a part of me is like, who do you put in? It should be Texas A&M. I don't know. It, it just sucks. I, I, I think Notre Dame deserves a shot, but it just sucks that it has to be Bama because Bama's going to score 50 by halftime. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to answer because I just wish this is where we're going to get to. The college football playoff needs to be fixed. But I'm going to tell you about that. They're not as bad as everyone thinks they are. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're a bad team. Like just to build on what you were saying there, I think what they do is they try. The, their offensive system seems to be they try to rely on beating the other team with talent, and not necessarily not necessarily with X's and O's. Their offensive coordinator is my age. That pisses me off a little bit. You know, I'm over here. I'm just a you know a little low. Well, lowly offensive line coach in high school and their offensive coordinator is 28 years old. So, you know, I don't think he's have had enough experience to be a excellent play caller. I think he's a good play caller and he uses his talent to the best ability. He uses his talent the way he thinks he can, but I, 
he, he's no Lane Kiffin. He's no Steve Sarkeesian. Um, you know, take take one of take one of those guys and put them in Notre Dame at offensive coordinator. Could you imagine the types of years that they'd be able to have with the talent that they get year in and year out? I mean, I don't know. The best thing that happened was when Kelly stopped calling plays and just let people coach, and he just took a step back. Because I'm not the big fan of his. Like, I hope he kind of – if Urban Meyer goes – if he leaves Urban Meyer, goes there, watch out for Notre Dame because that's where Urban's going to go. But the best yeah. thing for Notre Dame was when he stopped calling plays and he just became a head coach because we haven't seen Red Face Kelly since then because he took a step back and was like, I don't need to do this. Mm-hmm. And then here's a question. I don't know if the defensive coordinator got hired at Vanderbilt. Was he calling defense that game? Was he there doing it still? Yeah, he's finishing out. Now, is he, is he distracted? Was that a part of it? Kind of like the Lane Kiffin thing in Alabama. Was it a distraction? Not to make excuses, but I was just wondering watching the game. I was like, they're not adjusting very well. Is he even there? Is he distracted? Like, does he want to get to Vanderbilt? Because he knows what kind of hellhole he's walking into at Vanderbilt. Like, Nobody knows better than him. He played there. Yeah. I think uh, Notre Dame, I'll take the – I'll be the bad cop to – Coach Steve. Coach Steve's never going to say anything bad about Alabama or, or anybody. He's never going to say they're not going to beat somebody by 100. Notre Dame has the ability. As a Clemson fan, I can tell you, because I saw it the first go-round, they have the ability to make plays to muddy a game up. They, I mean, they made Travis Etienne put the ball on the ground. Not too many people's done that. It's Travis Etienne better at holding on to the ball or as good as Najee is. You force a fumble. You force a fumble, it's you go up seven nothing. You know. Then if they can the only way they can beat Alabama is to make Alabama play from behind play from behind and lean on that offensive line and those tight ends and make it a rock fight. And I don't know if they can do that. But that's what they're going to have to do. I guess we can talk more about that in the matchups. But Notre Dame, I'm, I mean, I'm, I got no problem with them being in. If Texas A&M wanted to be in, they shouldn't have lost by a million to St. Nick. Plus, the golden helmets look great in prime time. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people like the gold helmets. They I mean, put the flakes in them. I miss. Mean, the last the last time Notre Dame was on the same when, the last time they played Alabama was a national title game, right? When that was when um, Manti Teo was the linebacker, right? Yes, um, I remember. And and everybody thought that was one of the greatest Notre Dame teams to ever play the game. And look what Alabama did to them that year. I mean, I think it's going to be a very similar situation. Notre Dame's a great squad. Yeah, they're good. They've got a lot of talent. Um, I think that conversation, I, the, what I said earlier, the Alabama plays to an Alabama standard. Notre Dame just tries to lean on people with talent. They don't necessarily play to a standard. I I think that Alabama standard is going to win out, honestly. But um, any other thoughts before we move on to our previews? Roll Tide. Roll Tide. All Armchair Coaching Podcast episodes have been edited by Coach James Heath. Follow Coach James Heath on Twitter at jrockfordheath. And if you are interested in starting your own podcast, contact Coach Heath, and he will help you get set up with everything that you need for podcasting. Thank you, Coach Heath. I couldn't do it without you, brother.